Hello and welcome to livealittlehigher.com. We continue with learning the Pirkeavot, Ethics of the Fathers, and today we're learning Chapter 4, Mishnah 23, in which Rabbi Shimon Ben Elazar says, Do not appease your fellow at the time of his anger. Do not console him while his death lies before him. Do not question him about his vow at the time he makes it nor attempt to see him at the time of his degradation. degradation. So, in reality, if we read this Mishnah, it makes a lot of sense. When you get a person that is upset and you're trying to calm him down, the person is going to become even more upset. When you see a person that is angry, what this Mishnah is telling us is let, leave him alone. Let him deal with it, let him calm himself, and then in a good moment you get and you can talk to that person in a, in a good way. But when a person is in his moment that he's angry, the best uh, thing to do is to leave him alone. Even if it happens to you, if you yourself get angry, then also go for a walk, take a good cold glass of water, this will bring it down, breathe, take it out, and then you can confront whatever uh, the situation is. But at the moment of, of a person getting angry, this is the worst moment to, to go and try to calm them down. So the very same action that can be beneficial at a proper time, what he's telling us, may be detrimental at another time. So yeah, we know we have to have communication, we have to talk to each other, we have to say what we're feeling. It's a good way to be able to have good relationships with people. But what it's telling us, this Mishnah, is there's a time for everything. There's a time to keep silent, there's a time to talk. And um, it says here, the best method to avoid saying something at the wrong time is to follow the recommendation of the Rambam in the letter to his son, where he instructs him, think about what you're going to say before you say it. So this, you know, Jewish people, the whole Torah, if you analyze it, is really to make us proactive people and not reactive people. When you're going to eat, you first have to think, is this kosher? Is it meat? Is it milk? Did I eat milk before? Did I eat meat before? Do I have to wait six hours? It's really what the Torah, in a certain way, makes out of us is that it makes us people who are thinking people. We're not just reactive people. So here the Rambam is telling the son, before you say anything, just stop for one minute and think about what you're going to say. My husband says something to me always that I love, that I ingrained inside of me, and it has helped me very much. When sometimes I want to go and say something to somebody, he tells me, okay, do you think that if what you're going to say is going to make the situation better? Is that person really going to take it in and, and, and change? Or do you think that person is going to get upset and everything's going to get worse? And this has all, always stopped me from going and saying things to people that I would have thought are going to make things better, but at the end it would, it would have been even worse. So this is another suggestion, like put yourself in that person's head as that person thinks and their personality and how they are and think is what I'm going to say is going to be productive, is it going to make a, a change? for the good or is it just going to blow out and, and, and we're going to end up in a worse place. So here it says, even if we do think about what we wish to say, it may sometimes be difficult to decide whether is it appropriate or not. 
A good rule of thumb is to think, if I were in that person's position, how would I feel if someone said that to me? And this is not foolproof, but it is a good way to begin the deliberation. This is another example of how important it is to emphasize, to be empathetic with another person. And you know, this week we're, we're working on Tiferet and the counting of the Omer. Uh, we're working, this is the third week of the Omer, and we're counting every Sefira Shebe Tiferet. And Tiferet is exactly that, it's empathy. It's a harmony, it's, it, it's balance, it's mercy, it's compassion. And so Hillel's remark to the, to the proselyte that the essence of Torah is to love your neighbor as yourself, and it's interesting because this is the, the talk I'm giving in the, in the, in the parasha Kedoshim, like everything is connected, about uh, Ahavas Israel and love for, our, for another person. Here it says that his remark, love your fellow like yourself, which he interpreted to mean, do not, do not do anything to another person that you would not wish to be done to you. So yes, not only don't do to another person what you wouldn't like them to do to you, but make sure that what you're gonna do to that person, for that person, it's okay. Because sometimes something that wouldn't bother you can bother someone else. You know, people come from different places, we have different customs, uh, there's people who are more easy, easy, easy layover, they don't mind certain things, and there you have other people who are more strict in themselves and they mind other things. So maybe something that wouldn't uh, uh, worry you or something that wouldn't uh, bother you, it's a better word, maybe to someone else, it would be something that is delicate. It's a, it's a delicate place. So we have to also take this into accounting. So it says here, whereas the interpretation of this Mishnah may be superfluous, there are some practical apl uh, uh, applications that we should note. The admonition to no not look at another person at the time of his degradation often goes unheard, unheeded. It is a common occurrence that when an ambulance, for example, pulls over into a building, everybody stops to look who's going into the ambulance. And this is very uncomfortable for the person. This is uncomfortable for the family. Sometimes people are private. They don't want other people to know what's going around in their lives. So what it's telling us is that we should be careful. We should be careful with the privacy of other people. We should be respectful towards their privacy. The people love to snoop. They love to see what's going on in other people's lives. And we need to be sensitive to this. So the Hasonish was once walking with a student and I love this story, and they were walking along the street and they came in front of a house, a certain house, <coughs> I'm sorry, and he was a they were able to hear the husband and the wife, they were fighting horribly in the house. So you could hear the screams out into the street. And the Hasan Ish looked at the student and he says, let's get out of here, let's go the other way. And the, and the student looked at the Hasan Ish and says, why, why did you deter? He says, because I know this couple personally, and if they would see me going in the street in front of their house, they would be very much ashamed, and I don't want them to feel that way. So this is really true love towards another person, is to be sensitive to their needs, sensitive to, their, to, to, to how they feel. And there is another reason not to look at someone who is doing something wrong. The Talmud says that the reason the Torah approximates the loss of the Nazarite to the ritual of the woman suspected of being unfaithful to her husband, this is a, 
this is one after the other. First we have the Sota, which is a woman that is, uh, the husband thinks, he believes that she was unfaithful and she has to go through all this uh, ritual uh, in, the, in which the Kohen gives her this thing to drink and if, if, if she was guilty she would just die, she, her belly would blow up and she would die. And, uh, and the, the Nazarite is a person that takes an oath that he won't cut his hair, he won't have any wine, he won't have any grapes, he won't be close, uh, he can't be in contact with a dead person. And the, the, question, the, the, the Talmud is saying here what's the reason why the Nazarite comes after the Sota, why he takes this vow. And it says here is to impress upon us when we see the ritual which the woman undergoes that we should abstain from wine. So if a, if a, if a person would see the degradation of this woman, that she's going through this degradation, this humiliation, then he, the person that has nothing to do with it and suddenly he's going by and he sees it, then there's something inside of him that he has to correct too and he has to abstain himself from all these things. So alcohol may result in the weakening of one's inhibitions and we may become more vulnerable to doing something immoral. You know, when we see people that they're, they're failing, they're falling and we're judgmental, we're looking. We ourselves are also becoming vulnerable to being a, a person that falls. Because sometimes when we see something wrong in someone else, we start judging them, we start looking at them with not with a nice eye, we start criticizing them. And then up there they say, aha, aha, this person, he's so righteous, let's put this test in front of him, let's see how he's gonna behave. So the obvious question is that seeing the humiliation resulting from immoral behavior should serve as a deterrent to similar acts. Why must a person reinforce his inhibitions at this point? The answer is that the unpleasant consequences notwithstanding witnessing improper behavior may decrease our resistance to such acts because we become vulnerable. So to finish off, uh, there's, a, there's a, a story here of a man that was a guest at his friend's home on Shabbat and the friend uh, awoke in the middle of the night, the person that was hosting him, and the friend woke up and he saw his host, he's holding a candle in his hand and he's walking around the house. At that moment he turned to him and he said, you know, it's Shabbos, it's Shabbos. So the person, the host, turned to him and said, oh yes, so it is. And, and, and so it is, and gently set the candle on the table. And he turned to his guest and said to him, I, I woke in the middle of the night and did not remember it was Shabbat. I forgot it was Shabbat. It can happen to anybody. Anybody can wake up in the middle of the night on Shabbos. He has no idea it's Shabbos. And when you scream at me, my first impulse was to drop the candle into the floor, but then it would have gone out and I would have committed another transgression of turning off a fire on Shabbat, which we cannot do. And in this way, then, when then I, I stopped myself and I set it in the table so that light would not come out. Uh, in this case, a bit of reflection would have told the guest that his host, who was most observant of Shabbat, like the person that saw the host walking with a candle on Shabbat, he would have known if he knows him really well, he shouldn't have shouted at him. Thank God the host was this very uh, uh, proactive person that was able to handle the situation, but in other cases, you could make another person fall even lower. So the teaching of this Mishnah is that one should always apply seichel, intelligence, common sense in relating to other people.
So I wish you a blessed week and remember, live a little higher. Thank you. Bye.